So if your sales process is currently not designed, if you have not yet taken the time to develop your skill set to nurture those private conversations, how much money are you leaving on the table? It's not that your offer sucks. It's probably not even that your program promise isn't good or niche down enough. You might be hitting everything right. And the only thing missing from your process, the reason why you're not having higher conversions is because you're not creating opportunities for private conversations to take place. Hello, hello. So you might not know this, but this is a concept I am going to be breaking down for you today. There are three different types of buyers that you might be experiencing when you are offering your program, selling your service. And it's really important for us and for you to really get clear is, is your current sales process designed and optimized to nurture and convert those three different types of buyers? I literally was just having this conversation inside of Leverage, my group coaching program. I did a poll in there to see, to help them realize what kind of buyer they are and how that's influencing and impacting the sales process, which is probably a very natural behavior pattern they're going to see from their own prospects. Um, And I'm like, let's have a conversation about it. I figured I want to share this with you too, because I think this is valuable information that will give you really amazing insight to help you recognize where in your current sales process you might need to make some improvements, some tweaks, or to enhance it so that you are you know, not leaving money on the table just because your sales process isn't accurately designed to convert these three different types of buyers, okay? So first thing is first is I think when we are developing a sales process and thinking through a sales process, um, I think most times people, well, one, I just have a question for you is actually, do you feel or believe that you have a documented sales process? Yes or no? And that's a really good question I would just write down regardless um, and self-reflect on. Do you have a documented sales process? And what are you defining as your sales process? I think sometimes people like are just posting content, waiting for prospects to reach out to them. And that's what they define as a sales process. And that's a way to sell. I don't think it's the most effective way to sell. But today's sales process, we want to talk about I'm a really big believer, if you've been in any of my coaching programs or worked with me, I'm a really big believer that your sales process needs to align with how your prospects make buying decisions. All of your marketing, how you create content, how you uh, position your free content, how you converse and interact with your prospects, where you're having conversations, how you're nurturing those conversations and moving those conversations to get a prospect to a point where they're ready to make a buying decision. Once they're ready to make a buying decision after they've made that decision, what are those steps that happen after that to properly collect payment? Ensure that payments are set up so that they can be successfully completed if you're on a payment plan and get them set up and onboarded. That to me is all encompassing of what your sales process is from the moment that a person discovers you to the moment that payment has been collected. And based off of your sales process, like I said, I think there's a variation or other components of your sales process that need to be factored in, again, based off of how buyers make decisions. So today's topic, you know, we go into that in depth in this inside of our coaching program, uh, Leverage, where we walk you through actually how to structure your sales calls, how to structure your DM conversations, you know, how to get people to raise their hand and express interest, how to reach out to them. We, we got walk you through the entire process, but today's conversation I want to talk about is engagement. And is, is engagement a true reflection of how likely or how successful your launch will be based off the three different types of buyers that you probably have in your prospect base right now, right? 
So um, we were having this conversation. Somebody was like, hey, Jay, I'm not getting a lot of engagement on my live video. Like, is something wrong? And have you ever had that question, right? You're in the middle of a launch um, or if you're in one of my programs or learn my process, you're in the middle of a lean launch, you're doing your live videos and you're like, the engagement isn't really popping. Like, I don't have that much engagement. Like, I don't know if my launch is going to be successful. I know I have been there. And I think the very first thing that we need to understand is what are you classifying as engagement and making sure that we all recognize that there's more, there's so many variations of engagement. So, and that factors into the type of buyers that you have. So when I think about engagement, I classify engagement as any proactive response or proactive interaction from my audience. And what that could be is somebody follows me on Instagram. I gain a new follower. Somebody subscribes to my email list. Somebody subscribes to my podcast. Somebody shares my posts to their Instagram stories. Somebody saves my posts to their Instagram account. Somebody joins my free Facebook group. Somebody comments on a post. Somebody likes a post. Somebody, I already said shares a post. Um, somebody sends me a private direct message as a question. Somebody interacts on my Instagram stories. Those are all different forms of engagement. And I think sometimes we can say, oh my gosh, I'm not getting that much engagement. But it's like, what data are you actually looking at? And what are you classifying as engagement? So that's the first thing I want us to make sure that we're all clear on is that there any proactive response or reactive interaction that you receive from your audience classifies as engagement. Somebody even just viewing the video, right? You're watching me right now. You're listening to me right now, but you're not actually publicly engaging. You're not throwing hearts up on the screen. Some of you guys absolutely are not. You guys are not commenting necessarily below in the video right now, but you are still engaging even though it's not public. And that goes into the type of buyers that we have. But I want to first just even say that engagement is any of those things. And engagement can be public. Engagement can be private. And engagement could be silent, but that, but sometimes we can look at the data and be like, oh, well, only 20 people are watching my live stream. My live streams aren't, I ain't popping. I ain't got no engagement. And it's like, wait a minute. If they're watching, how many replay views did you get? How many live views did you get? How many likes did you get? How many link clicks did you get? How many shares did you get? How many saves did you get? You guys get what I'm saying? All of those p- points are all of those reactive interactions, you know, proactive interactions are forms of engagement. So that's the first thing I want to make sure that we're all clear on what is engagement. Really, any reactive interaction, any reactive response that any of your prospects or audience take that expresses interest and wanting to learn more about your service. And even you, them consuming your content is a way of them, you know, silently showcasing that they're interested in what it is that you have to say, which is informing how they're going to make a buying decision with you or not with you in the future. So that's the first thing I want to make sure we're all clear on. The second thing is there are three different types of buyers. There are, first and foremost, there are public engagers. Public engagers are those individuals who not only watch your content or consume your content or read your content or listen to your content, but they publicly engage on those posts. So they will throw hearts up on the screen. They will comment underneath your posts. Like they will do some form of engagement that allows other people to see their face and see their name. The second type of buyer that you will have is a private action taker, private action taker. And these are individuals who will still consume. They might, they're watching, they're reading, they're listening, but the time that they show interaction in regards to conversation or communication is privately. So they're probably talking to you in direct message. 
They're responding privately to your Instagram stories in direct message. You know, they are booking the sales call with you, private conversation, but they're still taking action, but it's just happening privately. You know, I think a lot of the time podcast listeners are private interactors. They don't have to join a Facebook group and show that they are there. They don't have to follow your account. They can privately consume your content without anybody being able to visibly see them. Private action takers. The third type of buyer that you might have are silent decision makers. Silent decision makers. And those silent decision makers are a unique breed. They don't don't even follow you on social media. They ain't in none of your Facebook groups. They don't like none of your posts. They probably may have never even had a conversation with you in direct message, but guess what? They will book the call and they will purchase. Silent decision makers. They're the people who are privately kind of lurking. They're consuming. They don't need a lot of like validation. They don't need a lot of back and forth. They know what they want and they're waiting for you to articulate what it is that they need for them to know that whether or not do I need to buy. Like This is me when I go buy electronics. I've done all my research at home. I've Googled what I needed to Google. I've watched a YouTube video or two. I go to Best Buy and I go buy my MacBook and I don't talk to nobody. I'm like, bro, you don't need to be hovering over me. I already know what I want. I don't need you to tell me what I need. I already know what I need. I'm coming in. I've already done my research. I'm just coming here to buy. I don't need none of this back and forth. Don't give me none of your suggestions. I don't need none of that. I'm a silent decision maker. I came into the conversation already knowing what I wanted to buy. I was already sold before I came to the store. So I don't need you to do nothing for me. You don't need to talk to me. You don't need to show me no new features. You ain't got to do none of that. None of it, right? Those are those silent decision makers. They've already done the research. They're just ready to make a buying decision. Now, I want you to answer the question, what type of buyer are you? What type of buyer are you? And does the t- you the type of buyer that you are, does it change based off of the price point of what you're investing in? So if you're investing in something that is $3,000 to $10,000, What kind of buyer are you? Are you a public engager where you're like actively engaging publicly before you make a buying decision from this person? Are you a, you know, a private action taker where you're having conversations with them privately, but you're consuming? Or are you a silent decision maker where you may not need none of that, but you're right. You you know what you need to do and you're ready to just go invest. Think about it. What type, what type of buyer are you when you're investing in higher end programs? Public, private, or silent? One, two, or three. And the reason why I ask this is because we have to start thinking about, wait a minute, if I'm this type of buyer, I wonder what is my audience? What kind of buyers are they? And does the type of buyer that they are change based off the price of the program that I'm selling? Think about that. That's a really important question. What type of buyer are you? Because it's important to know what your buying behavior patterns are. But secondly, is what type of buyer are your prospects? And it's really important to realize, okay, based off the price point of my program, does that change the type of buyer that they are? And I think this is a really important thing because the the last thing you had to factor in now is, is my sales process aligned with the type of buyers that I have? And I'd say for most people, the answer is no. Most people think or assume that they have public engagers as buyers. Think about it. For most of you guys who've purchased anything from me, services that sell, leverage, legacy, 70% of my buyers are private action takers. Private action takers. They don't become public engagers until after they make the investment. I'm going to say that one more time. Majority of my buyers, because I don't sell nothing low ticket. You know, everything that you buy from me is going to be a couple bands. 
You know, you're going to spend 3000 15000 30000 5000 You're going to spend a couple thousand dollars if you work with us. Every majority of my clients are private action takers, meaning they like to engage in private conversations before they make a buying decision. And usually they do not become public engagers until after they've made a private purchase. You guys picking up what I'm putting down. So this, what I'm telling you right now is what our lean launch process is designed around. Why? Because most often, most often, and it's not even, you know, I'm not trying to call nobody out, but I'm trying to bring awareness because we want to make sure is your sales process actually aligned with the type of buyer that you have? And what data are you looking at to make help you make decisions on where you need to optimize your sales process? So most people think that, oh, if they aren't engaging publicly, they're not going to purchase. That's not facts. That's big lie. That's, mm-mm, that's not accurate. When you are selling a higher end offer, $3,000 or more for your group coaching program, most of your buyers are going to be private action takers. They do not become public engagers until after they've made a purchase from you. So if you guys look at now, most of the people who are going ham in the comments right now have already bought something from me before, right? And that's normal. They are showing up to your live streams. They're commenting on your posts like they are because they already trust you. They don't mind being seen and associated with you because they already know you're the real deal. But sometimes people don't want to be publicly associated with you until they actually know, Can this, is this person even legit? Will this person still be around three months from now? Are they just another cute coach that's popping up that's going to drop off in the next quarter, right? Does this person even know what they're talking about? Do I even want to be associated with them? Do I want my followers to know that I follow them for influence and advice? All of that stuff, even whether you consciously or unconsciously realize that all of those things matter because who you're associated with is part of perception. And part of the perception is how are people seeing you? Who are you around? Who are you being influenced by? Who are you being like, who are you learning from? And if a lot of the time, majority of my clients, again, higher end programs, multi four figure or five figure investments do not become public engagers until after they buy. So the reason why I say this, okay, again, most people think that, oh, I'm a, my buyers are public engagers. So I only need to be looking at how many likes am I getting? How many comments am I getting? How many follows am I getting? How many people showed up live to my live stream? And it's like, well, Jay, I don't have a lot of people coming up live. How many people watched in the replay? Private action takers. Majority of your video views are going to be replay views anyway. So who cares if only three people showed up live if 3,000 people watched after the fact? You guys get what I'm saying? They're private decision make, private action takers. It doesn't matter if they weren't there publicly. It doesn't matter if they weren't there live. So it's really important for us to realize that to make sure that when we're looking at data, am I looking at the right data? Am I looking at the right data to influence what my decisions need to be about where I need to make improvements in my sales process? Right? You guys get what I'm pick, get what I'm saying? So then outside of that, so now we're all under the agreement, most of your buyers for high ticket programs, more than 50% will be private action takers. How streamlined and efficient are you at your sales process with having private dialogue with your prospects? Is your sales process even set up right now to create private conversations to take place? This is why we teach our clients two ways of selling. We teach them how to sell in direct message, and we also teach them how to sell on sales calls. The reason why we do this is because that we know, based off of the data, y'all, that's another thing. I'm an engineer by trade. I don't do nothing unless I have data to back it up. 
the data shows that majority 80% of our buyers are private action takers. And 80% of our buyers had to engage in a private conversation before they felt comfortable making an investment. So if your sales process is currently not designed, if you have not yet taken the time to develop your skill set to nurture those private conversations, how much money are you leaving on the table? It's not that your offer sucks. It's probably not even that your program promise isn't good or niche down enough. You might be hitting everything right. And the only thing missing from your process, the reason why you're not having higher conversions is because you're not creating opportunities for private conversations to take place. Think about it. Think about it. And when I think about private conversations, it's like, well, is your content optimized and designed in a way that entices and encourages people to start private conversations with you? Yes or no? Or is all of your call to actions like my post? Comment below. What about those private conversations? If you are not doing sales calls and you are also not having DM conversations, where are you giving your clients the opportunity to have a private conversation with you? So I say this because I think it's really important that one, your sales process needs to be designed to support all three types of those buyers, those public engagers, which many of us kind of do this okay, those private action takers, which I think a lot of us could improve on, and those silent decision makers, woo-wee, you know that you have done something right on every other front from a marketing and sales perspective when you start increasing the amount of silent decision makers that you have. I literally do a happy dance every time somebody enrolls in Leverage who does not follow me on social media, who is not on my email list. Or basically, who doesn't follow me on social media? I don't want to say who wasn't on my email list because even people joining your email list is private interaction. It's private consumption of your content. And anytime somebody joins one of my, you know, joins to work with me and they don't follow me on social media, I'm like, your girl has made it. My stuff is working. God is good because it lets me know that everything that I have published publicly is designed and articulated and positioned in a way where this individual was able to make a decision without even needing a conversation with me. That's how I know my content is good. That's how I know that I'm properly articulating my value. That is how I know that no matter what, if they watch three of my live streams or consume three of my Instagram posts or is inside of my Facebook group for two or three weeks, they know exactly who I am, what problem I solve. They're clear on what solution they need and they believe that my program can do that for them. That lets me know I'm winning. My marketing is good. My articulation of my value is hitting, okay? So I say that because silent decision makers, I think that that's, that takes some time for us to get to a place where our content, our marketing, our positioning, the articulation of our value is at a point where somebody doesn't even need to talk to me to be ready to make a buying decision. That to me is gold. And that takes time to get there. But I think every one of us here has the opportunity to strengthen our marketing and our sales process so that it's better designed to actually nurture and facilitate those and support those private action takers who need, that's just part of the, how they're making a decision. And it's not to say that like, oh, I don't want them then. It's like, you have not earned the right to have that level of ego, right? I have not earned that right. People are like, well, I don't want to have to talk to people if they want to uh, buy my program. I just want them to drop $15,000 and I don't want to have to talk to them. <laughs> who are you? Listen, you've been in the game, what, two years? You barely know what you do. Like, hold on now, right? You know, like I think sometimes our ego can get the best of us 
of like, why do I have to reach out? Why should I have to have a conversation with somebody? Why do I need to answer their questions? That's part of business. You have to earn the right to get to a place where you're, the perception of you precedes you. You have to earn the right and do the work and put in the effort and establish that area. You have to, one thing is like, you have to establish that level of market authority. And that establishing that level of market authority takes time. It takes consistent effort. It takes you doing what nobody else in your industry will do. But until you get there, I'm not there. I've been in business five years. I absolutely know through and through I ain't there. Why? Because it's taken, it took me three years to even really clarify what my niche was. It took me three years of testing and refinement and data collection for me to even get to a place where I feel strong about what promise I delivered to my marketplace. That takes time. Like, I'm like, it takes, I'd say, at least three years for you to really get an understanding of where you add value in the marketplace and what your program promise is. So like, if you've been in business for less than three years, you do not absolutely at all, not even a little bit, have the market authority to say that I don't want to have to have private conversations for somebody to enroll into my high ticket program. Like, let's just call it what it is. Like, let's just be honest with your, with ourselves. And it's not like something's wrong. It's just part of the process. Like, you have to earn that level of authority. And part of earning that authority is doing the work to even establish yourself as the authority. And being an authority requires that you have a level of expertise where you are perceived as an authority. So some of us are still getting that expertise and refining that expertise and getting to a place of mastery around our expertise so that we can even be in the in the ballpark of ever even being associated with authority. Y'all get what I'm saying? I feel like I done went on a tangent. I'm over here preaching. But the biggest thing I want to talk about again is just Making sure that when you are looking at engagement, that we are, you are looking at the right data and making sure that, okay, this is a moment of reflection. Is my sales process actually aligned with the type of buyers that I have? And, and where am I weak in my sales process, right? Where am I weak in my sales process? And what is really required of me to strengthen those elements of the sales process? And if you guys are in leverage, y'all are already covered. Go through phase two, step into phase four. Like I, I, this is, uh, I geek out over this, but I mean, there's probably clients that are listening to this right now who are like, Jay, so that's why you got us doing this. That's why you got us repurposing content. That's why you got us doing live video for our launches. Yes. The cat is out of the bag. Because live video, no matter what, over any other form of content establishes you as an authority and positions you as an authority more than any other medium of content. Why? Because people can see you. They can read your body language. They can connect with you on a deeper level that you just cannot do through a Canva Instagram quote or um, a, you know, a graphic carousel of some cartoon characters. Live video allows you to to deepen the level of trust with your prospects. It allows you to have that real-time interaction, to be able to see who you are, that you are real and not some phony fake or fraud on the internet. Like live video is a non-negotiable if you're selling online, period. So if you're selling online and you don't want to do live video, get out of the game. It's 2021. Like we are in a new era. Like they're in the market sophistication is so high. There's so many people selling things online. Our industry is absolutely unregulated. Like, so like people may not even believe that you can help them anymore. They, they need to know, like, not only do you know your stuff, but like, are you going to be in business long enough? Do you believe in your stuff enough to actually show up live and be courageous on live? And like, do I even trust you? Like, I want to see what you look like. Like, listen, sis, if I see you in person, would I recognize you at Qdoba in the line? 
is your energy going to be the same? Like, what is your energy even like? And because that's another thing. People aren't just buying based off of what it is that you're going to teach. People are also buying based off of, do my values align with this person? Do I like this person? Do I trust this person? Do I want to learn from this person? It's not just about, is she smart enough? Is her curriculum good enough? I say Qdoba because y'all I'm sitting outside of Qdoba right now. I'm about to go buy me. Um, I've been like, something about me is that I'm, I'm, I'm very consistent. So when I find something that I really like to eat, I just go to the same place over and over and over again. I buy the exact same thing. And for whatever it is, I'm in a season right now where I just really like burritos. So I, I normally never eat burritos. Normally when I go to Qdoba, I get a little three cheese nacho and I call it a day. You know, a veggie three cheese nacho. But for whatever reason, over the past few weeks, I'm just like, I just want a burrito. So this is my third time in the past two weeks where I'm going to buy a freaking burrito. And so yeah, that's just my life. But side tangent but people want to know who you are like people want to know like do my values align with this person do i trust this person is this person real like whatever right like you know she qdoba like i don't know i'm a chipotle girl i can't rock with her like people want to know who you are i actually like getting burritos from chipotle more so than um qdoba but for whatever reason in my city all the chipotles are shut down since covid so yeah I don't know. So I'm just, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. But I do like Qdoba because I like their queso and Chipotle ain't got no queso. Okay. So, okay. Let me go back to what I was saying. Live video is a mandatory if you want to be selling online in this day and age. Somebody said I'm in fools to go buy a burrito. Listen, they're just so meaty and like heavy and like I'll be full when I finish eating it. I don't still be hungry afterwards, um, which is what I need right now. So I don't even know what I was saying, but I'm just saying that like understand the whole purpose of this episode is really to help you identify where in your sales process you need to be making some improvements so that you are catering your sales process to the three different types of buyers that you will probably have and you probably have right now. And there might be a reason that you're not maybe experiencing the level of conversion that you desire is only because your sales process is not designed and aligned with how your buyers are making decisions. So that is the message that I have for you today. Um, if you are somebody who is looking to either raise your rates or you're currently offering a three to $10,000 group coaching program and you need some support with developing a more curriculum-based coaching program, strengthening your sales process so that you can align it with how buyers are actually making decisions, better articulate your value through your free organic content so that your free organic content is overcoming objections, you know, shifting beliefs and really teaching people how to think so that they can actually make a really great buying decision for themselves. I invite you to check out Leverage. This is our group coaching program that is designed to do this. You can click the link in my bio, jerishahawk.com backslash leverage to apply um, and to book a call with our leverage specialist. So I invite you to do that, jerishahawk.com backslash leverage. It's a link in my bio on Instagram. So if you're somebody that needs some support with that, or at least, you know, the, the cool thing about booking a call with us is that you are going to get a benchmark assessment. And that benchmark assessment is going to help you evaluate what gaps currently exist within your coaching program and within your coaching business so that you are very, very clear on where you actually need to make some improvements. And that assessment and your score to that assessment will help us both determine what the next best step for you is. So um, again, jerishahawk.com backslash leverage, apply, book a call, complete your assessment, and let's help you make some improvements. So um, if you guys enjoyed today's episode, listen. Don't be stingy. 
screenshot this right now. Tag me on your Instagram stories. Let me know what your top takeaway was. Um, and I will talk to y'all later. Bye.